Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 602. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. My darling, will you give a teaser to what it is that we're talking about today, even though there's some things I want to share that I haven't even shared with you yet? Oh, okay. Well, I wanted to talk about just difference in language and how we talk about our inner experiences. Um, And I wanted to compare... To an article that was in the New York Times written by Adam Grant about languishing and a podcast that I listened to that Rob Bell put out last week. I think it was called, I don't even know the question. That's exactly right. Sometimes I don't even know Sometimes the question. Sometimes I don't even know the question. And I feel like they were talking about a similar thing, but they use different language. And this is why I really love words because depending on how you discuss it, is how you're going to relate to it. Mm-hmm. And you can be having an experience and someone can reframe it for you. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I can handle this then. Mm-hmm. But if people use certain words, then it feels intolerable. Yeah. So it's That's, basically um, maybe looking at it through a slightly different lens and having it be more manageable or... Well, like I said, using different words, you have certain words carry an energy that make us feel afraid. And certain words don't. And so when you say the word divorce, everybody freaks out, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's like a that word carries an energy or depression or um, anger or, you know, we're like, oh, you know. And so when we use that word, we automatically have a response yeah. where if we use a word like um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm able to get all my feelings out. I feel frustrated and I'm really feeling what I know I need to do. Mm-hmm. That may be the exact same thing as what we're describing when we're talking about anger, but it doesn't carry that, that negative connotation. And so we're able to process through it differently. And it's not, it, it really is, you know, like if someone's like, well, then you're just playing with words and it's just a name game. Correct. Mm-hmm. Because our brain, we have to remember we have this brain in our head and our brain relates to certain words and language in a certain way. And if it, if we say a certain word, it takes us down a certain neural pathway where then we have to like fight all these like inner demons yeah. where if we're like, okay, I can say the same thing a different way or experience it in my mind a different way and it doesn't feel so daunting. Mm-hmm. It's just a it's, a... it's an opportunity to maybe change the lens in how you look at your situation. Yeah. And really it's a mindfulness activity, right? Yeah. Because once you figure these things out or once you practice with it, then the word anger doesn't feel so daunting. Sure. Once you have your own experiences with depression or anxiety, or you find tools, the words don't feel so heavy. It's when, if we can't look at something because of the word, then let's change the word so we can actually look at it. So that's kind of, that's what I'm going to talk about. So I'm going to play two clips, not right now, but eventually I think uh, from the Rob Bell podcast, which I, you had me listen to it um, and I was a big fan of it. They may or may not be related to what we're talking about. So we'll see what happens, but it's from that specific podcast. But first, Kathy writes this thing called Zen Parenting Moment, comes out Tuesdays and Fridays. And what I do is I copy and paste them into my notes So I know which one I want to talk about on Tuesday's podcast. So today I'm talking about this one, sweetie. All right. Yep. I said it before and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. 
That's our that's our friend Ferris. Right, sweetie? That is. That's the quote I used for the beginning. What were you trying to get at with this? Oh, by the way, if you want to subscribe to these Unparenting Moments, uh, just scroll up on the notes of your this podcast and you can subscribe with a quick click. You can do that. Or if you're somewhere else, go to unparentingradio.com and it says it right on the top. And then you get an email every Tuesday, Friday. It's that simple. So what was the inspiration? Um, so I think that one was called Doing Nothing. Correct. And so, um, talk about busyness. Yeah. So basically what it was about was the fact that there is this thing that we can do, which is called nothing. And if we can talk about language being different, because if we in, I would say in our culture doing nothing, that language equals laziness, um, unproductive, procrastinating, um, unwilling, um, not successful. Like we, we have put all these words kind of like they live in the same box in our mind. If you're doing nothing, then you aren't doing enough to be a worthy person. And there's this word in, um, there's an Italian word or three words, actually. I don't have it in front of me. So can you try and read it? I don't have my, it's dolce. Uh, dolce far niente. Well, you're kind of sounding like you're trying to do your Italian accent. I don't have an Italian accent. Oh, well. Dolce far niente. Okay. Niente. And so um, I am Italian, but I do not speak Italian. My the, girls do. The sweetness of doing nothing. The sweetness of doing nothing. And basically I, I remember this from when I read Eat, Pray, Love 18 years ago or whenever it came out. It was one of my favorite parts of the book is when she was, when Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, was traveling through Italy, she, um, I think Luca Spaghetti told her about this um, this phrase, and basically it means the the joy or the wonderfulness of doing nothing. And the gist of it is you are doing nothing, but you're not worried about time. Mm -hmm. You're not, this isn't like a... Um, concern, you are enjoying, you're not concerned the time is passing by because you're in the stillness of the moment. And there's an appreciation for looking around and experiencing your life as it is and just taking it in. And, you know, obviously a much more European way of experiencing, you know, everybody who travels to Europe always talks about, you know, things close early, things are not always open, depend, you know, they have their own lunch hours. There's just a different Very un-American. Yeah. We are just so- Busy, busy, busy. Overproductive. And we use busyness as a status symbol. And, at, you know, people like to say how busy they are because it makes them feel worthy. And so the practice of doing nothing is indeed a practice of self-awareness and self-love. And that was what I was trying to write about is that, and you don't have to tell people about it. Like I was just listening to a podcast and <laughs> she was talking about how when you first start going to therapy, you start telling everybody about your therapy sessions because you need everybody to know about all these amazing things or work you're doing. Or when you first start reading self-help books, you tell everybody about these things you're learning. And you eventually get to a point where you're like, who am I doing this for? Am I doing it to prove to everybody how much work I'm doing? Or am I doing this because this is actually helping me? But that's a process. Mm -hmm. You know, everything is a cycle, right? So doing nothing is for you. And you can tell people that you're doing it or, um, but it really is, it, don't be surprised if you try and do nothing and your brain tells you you're being lazy because you have been conditioned that Sweetie, way. Sweetie, you just like read my mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, um, doing nothing is terrifying to me. 
Yeah. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm saying I got a lot of work to do in this department. Totally. I was not going to, yeah, I don't, I think that most people feel that way. That's why I wrote something. And I think that I tend to have times like that too, but I tend to fall a little closer toward, I really like to sit and do nothing. And I'm putting that in air quotes because that's when I see a robin grab a worm and give it to the baby. And I'm not using that as like a dumb example. I literally watched that this morning. Todd and I watched this mom yank this worm like forever. Out of the ground. And then the baby, it wasn't really like a baby baby. It was a flying baby. Yeah, right. You know, like a, a kid. Yeah. Flew over like an to, adolescent. Yeah, an adolescent. Flew over to mom and was like, rah, 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 and the mom, of course, turned around and gave the worm to the kid. And the kid kept following the, you know, baby around or the, the mom around and getting more worms. My point is, is that you wouldn't see that. We also have a baby bunny that has decided to live around our house. And Sweetie, when I, her name is Willow. Her name is Willow. And I, we saw her when she was tiny, tiny, and I tried to feed her and she's still around. She still loves our house. And you have to be still and sit for Willow to, to come. show up. So is that nothing is my question. That's why language is important because yes, in essence, but if you used a different, if you used the Italian phrase or if you said, I'm sitting in stillness, it feels more purposeful. Sweetie, was Ferris Bueller doing nothing? And then there's this one. Bueller. Bueller. There's a lot of doing nothing in that classroom. Yeah, they're a little bored. Um, I have a bunch of Ferris Bueller clips that I'm going to play throughout this podcast, just an FYI. Voodoo. Something D-O-O economics. Economics. Sportos, motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. So did Ferris Bueller, he was getting a lot done, but I feel like he was being present in that day off of his... Yeah, and I wouldn't say they did nothing. They went to a baseball That's game. That's what I mean, they went like, to eat. very yeah. productive, yeah, he was but very productive. he was present. Sure. You know, so you could be doing something as long as you're present with what you're doing. Uh, you know? I don't think that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about really doing nothing. Right. Because what he was doing was a bunch of things. He was doing everything. Yeah. Like that's not the same he thing. He saw the whole city. So I agree with you that he was being present, but I think what he, I mean, again, we could play with this because I think what you're saying is, but he, he got out of school and he decided to do something that was different right. or more insignificant, but really it was more significant, yeah. which is the gist of his quote. Yeah. You know, you got to stop occasionally because, you know, when we look back, um, like on our lives or on our kids' lives, you know, there's a lot of things we told our kids not to do, or we were worried about things like, oh, don't go to senior skip day, or oh, don't go to that party after the prom, or don't, you know, don't go to that, you know, social hour because I don't know what's going on, or don't go to that kid's house. But that's where they become, that's where the things happen. And I don't mean bad things necessarily. I mean the stories yeah. and the experiences and the, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's the... Well, there's time to do nothing and there's time to do something. And I have an addiction to doing something at the expense of nothing. Right. And that's, we're kind of getting into two different things, but, be, but like, you know, nothing, nothing will happen to you if nothing happens to you. And, and at the same time, you can't experience life. You can't fully take in your life unless you occasionally Pause. stop yeah. and say, what's happening yeah. and who am I and what am I doing? And what's that rabbit doing? And look at the sky and, you know, that's one of the beautiful things about nature is that it's a forced 
intention, like watching a sunset, watching, looking at a full moon, Mm -hmm. looking for a rabbit in your yard, like it is purposeful, but you're really not doing anything. You're just having the experience. But wouldn't we say that sunsets and sunrises are some of the best experiences? Sure. But you're not really doing anything. No, you're observing and you're sitting in your chair and looking at the sun go up or down. Yeah. So that's it. So why don't you start? Just because oh, okay. I don't want to overtake you the conversation. You said that you were going to talk about other things. Yeah, the Robcast and oh, yeah. Okay, so so I want to call. Uh, so I'll tell you about two things, and I'm going to try and compare them, and we'll kind of go through them. So number one was Adam Grant put out an article in the New York Times several weeks ago, um, and everybody really was like super psyched about it, and it was called "There's a name for the blah you're feeling." It's called languishing, and the you know languishing by definition, is like the way he described it. It's like the middle child of mental health, which it's like you're not flourishing, but you're also not clinically depressed. You're languishing. And and his intention of the article was to say that in this post-COVID, if we really want to call where we are post-COVID world, we are still struggling in many ways, like incorporating the experiences we've had, integrating the trauma, um, dealing with what what didn't come with us, meaning that we lost things, you know, if it be people or jobs or time or whatever it may be, money. Um, and we're dealing with all of that. And we're also now so certain about uncertainty. And we're also very certain that that it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so what that leaves us with is this feeling of, I don't quite feel as free as I used to, but I'm handling it. I'm getting up every day and I'm languishing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, you, the, what he describes is that when you're languishing, you might not fully notice the dulling that's going on. Like you don't feel fully joyful but it's like a it's like a purgatory mm. maybe I, like i'm using that word place. yeah it's like an in between it's like i'm okay you know it's kind of like when someone says how are you doing i'm i'm fine blah. like blah. blah you know i'm i'm okay um and ideally flourishing is the you know peak of yeah. well-being right that's where we're like i feel really good about my choices and yes things happen but life is you know beautiful and everything and that's kind of a difficult place to be right now, I think, for anybody, yeah. because we're still kind of coming out of the ashes, you mm-hmm. know? And, you know, in, in our circumstances are necessitating this languishing. Like, we, our culture is kind of sick, you know? Like, we're having to deal with things in the political arena and things in, you know, what's going on with your know, climate and what's going on with maybe education or what everything, like, even if we know, I was just saying this to you this morning, even if we know what to do to feel good, sometimes we're not capable of doing that because of the outside circumstances Mm -hmm. of our lives. And so we may not be fully burned out, but we're not fully engaged. And that is languishing. So do you have any questions about that before I move on? I guess just kind of my own personal example. Like I told you, I had a breakfast meeting with, um, a business associate for my nine to five job. And I was just kind of blah. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm like, I should be more excited about this. You know, should that's, Mm -hmm. that's your signal. And I just, I'm inviting the listeners to see where are they blah, just so we can like use the words or the lessons, whatever we talk about for the next 30 minutes or so is like, 
Cause that's where I am. Like part of my job responsibilities and my nine to five job are kind of like blah. Mm-hmm. Like there's just no, or like reading. I haven't not picked up a book. I finally finished a book that I've been reading for like six months. I finished it last week cause Skylar and I were reading out in front, but I'm not in like reading mode right mm-hmm. now. And I don't want to listen to any self-help podcasts. Yes. So I'm just kind of blah. So as you and I talk for the next X amount of minutes, think of some part of your life where you're blah, and that might help us as we navigate through this conversation. Yeah, definitely. And it might be kind of across the board, mm-hmm. or it might be one certain area. Right. You know, it kind of and and could this be a is, general well being, or right. it could be something specific. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like you know. You know, and, and what I want to say about Adam Grant's article, as with everything Adam Grant writes, I think is it's very powerful and obviously very true to data and true to research. And, and I'm not questioning that. But I also feel like if you read this article, if you looked it up, you'd be like, oh, crap. There's like a sense of this is where we are and not a lot of tools. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's basically what he's saying is here's a word for you to describe how you feel. You know, he does make a point of saying you know, one of the best steps toward any kind of healing is being able to identify how you're feeling. And I agree with him. Like that is a, once we have language for our experience, we can better see our experience and therefore move forward. It's like name entertainment stuff. Correct. So in that way, it's a tool, you know, like he's not completely dumping on us and running away. Mm -hmm. He's saying, here's a thing, here's a word. And I think a lot of people appreciated that. But then, you know, it's kind of, you know, I'd been thinking about that for a while. And then I was listening to Rob's podcast this week. And one thing that I really appreciate about Rob Bell is I think that he has language that I can tell that two things are happening. Number one, that he's gone through these experiences himself. So he's not teaching things from a book. He's not teaching things that uh, someone else taught him. He's teaching something that has moved through his own system. And so I can always feel that from people in just the way that they either write or teach, that they're like talking from personal experience. And not only does he do that, but he has a way, He's he reminds me of Glennon in this way, he has a way of using metaphors and language to make it accessible. Mm-hmm. So like he'll be talking about something really deep, you can tell he's personally experienced it, and then he'll use a word while you'll go... That's so cool. So for an example, he in this podcast called... um, Sometimes I don't even know... Let me see. Sometimes I don't even know the question. Okay. So even that in itself, like I knew I wanted to listen to that podcast, right? Like sometimes I don't even know the question. I'm like, I kind of already know what he means, Mm. right? And then he starts by explaining to everybody, like, are are all of you feeling a certain way? Like, are you having feelings you haven't felt or... And, you know, and then the language he used, the first thing that he said that caught my attention was, do you feel like you're going through an upgrade? And it's like I knew exactly what he meant. And it was like the opposite of languishing, but the same. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is languishing is kind of like something's not right. And I'm not fully engaged. I'm feeling a little lost. I'm caught between the medium. I'm caught between the, you know, the binary. And I'm not quite sure where to go next. And getting an upgrade to me is similar. It's like, I can't do what I used to do. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. So I feel like I'm in the midst of my computer booting up an upgrade. Mm -hmm. I'm super uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the questions are. And I don't know what the answers are. So just that language, think about it. You're languishing Mm -hmm. or 
Do you feel like you're getting an upgrade? Yeah. Think about how different that is. Well, in in the podcast, this is going to be tricky because you and I both listen to this hour-long podcast, and I'm going to play two clips that are both 60 seconds each, and without getting the context, it may not make sense to what what we're listening to. But in many occasions on this specific podcast that Rob gave was the idea of dying. This reminds me of Wayne Dyer, dying while you're still alive. Correct. Like letting things die. And I'm like, what the hell is Wayne talking about? And then Rob talked about it again. And this is not a theme that you and I have, uh, we've spoken about this idea too, is like something, you got to let something go away in order for something else to show up. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not particularly good at that, mm-hmm. I don't think. Like, no, I don't want to die. I want to like keep everything and add more to it. So maybe that framework will help a little bit as we kind of go through it. You know, and that's a very Zen understanding too, is there, you have to let things die. And that is, and, and that word, okay, so death and die. Mm-hmm. The, those are like words I'm talking about where people get too scared. Sure. It's too heavy. It's too weighty. Um, we've had too many experiences with it. We were terrified of it when we were kids. Like we don't have... A, any kind of positive connotation with it, understandably, yeah. right, by definition. But there is also something about, you know, like you said, we've been, you know, any self-help teacher has been talking about, you know, don't, you know, die while you're still alive, meaning that let parts of you die so you can actually live. Because a lot of things that live in us or that we hold on to weigh us down. Mm-hmm. And they are not who we are anymore. And we keep trying to keep them alive and animate them and in, instead of letting them go, and what that does is talk about keeping you messy. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know other way to describe it because you're trying to be this other person, but you're still this person. And you're, not, you're not letting your skin shed. Right. You're not letting... And, and there's a few things that happen. I'm thinking of things that I have let die, and I'll give you examples like belief systems that I have let go of, relationships I have let go of, um, paths of work, of work or success that I've let go of. Um, and then there's been literal things like this job opportunity, I let go of it mm-hmm. or, you know, this, and, and those are, those are types of deaths. And then there's also like parts of your false self mm-hmm. where you're like, I need to be this way. I need to be this person. And I actually just had an experience yesterday where I have let go of a lot of those things and I can see them very clearly and why I let go of them and that it was necessary and that I am no longer this person. But sometimes I'm in, with people and I see them being the way I used to be. And from appearances, it looks easier. Mm-hmm. And I watch them and I say, oh, they just kind of go through life here on the surface. And they kind of just worry about things that are really not that big of a deal to worry about. And they just kind of don't go that deep. And so they can kind of like chill here and just kind of be like, let's go out and let's mm-hmm. do this. And let's, you know, and and sometimes as I, I, I've i been writing about this for 18 years since JC was born, sometimes I'm like, is that easier? Like, I don't want, sometimes I don't want to go through every new dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. Because really, you know, we talk about dark nights of the soul. For those of you who don't know what that means, it just means like a, a momentary awareness, or not momentary, it's an awareness that the ground beneath your feet has shifted and that you no longer have that foundation and you need to find another one. And you're in that in-between between, I had a foundation and a belief system and now I don't, but I don't know what my next one is, so it's, you're lost. Really uncomfortable. Really uncomfortable. And it doesn't, at least for me, 
that doesn't just happen once. And you don't have a dark night of the soul. You may have a dark year mm-hmm. of this, you know, like even the language doesn't fit it because it keep to me, I have had to, you know, lots of things have needed to die for new things to be born. Yeah. And I guess in you, you shared your experience and I guess mine is like, no, I'm a podcast host and I'm a life and leadership coach and I got to continue to listen to podcasts and read these books and I have not wanted to and it's been really uncomfortable in me like if I'm not that who am I Mm -hmm. and I'm just like but I'm sitting in the discomfort because I could command myself to read a book or listen to a podcast but I'm just kind of letting myself be do nothing Mm -hmm. in a weird way Mm -hmm. and maybe it's because you know there's some other challenges in my life that I that are consuming a lot of my emotion and I don't want to give any of this emotion I have left over to making myself a better person. And so instead I'm going to listen to a funny podcast or something like that. So that's kind of like my version of this discomfort that I feel like I'm judging myself because I should be reading a book. But, but could, I, could I challenge you with this? Because this is, and I'm challenging you with this because I believe this to be true. Reading is an experience of taking an education. Mm-hmm. Don't you feel like you're living something that you're having to learn sure. from? So like when you when we are going through something in our lives, and when I say going through, like you know, like you said, you're expending a lot of energy on things that are really happening sure. right now. You're in the practice, yeah, you are in the literal practice of doing it. So, you know, when you're in the boxing ring, you're not then going and sitting down at the seat in the boxing ring and reading a book about boxing. You're boxing already. Mm, I, I hear that. And you're right. And I'm going to, I was actually going to play this clip second, but it goes to what you're just saying okay. in Rob's. And he talks about spiritual, like seekers, like lifelong seekers. seekers. Yeah. So this is yeah. the part, it's at the very end of this podcast and we might have to fill in kind of the holes because we're catching everybody off guard, but here we go. Some people just go to conferences all the time. Some people just read spiritual books all the time. Some people take classes all, they never stop going to spiritual things so they don't have to die. Yeah, I've seen lots of people. They're like professional seekers, but they have managed to be the same. They're the same person they've been for years. And you wonder, that person has spent so much money going after spiritual vibes. They have traveled all over the world and sought out all the great teachers, and yet they still seem like they're kind of a wreck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's because all that, weirdly enough, was like almost a distraction. It was how they kept the discomfort at bay. That's a very real thing in our world, by the way. It's a very real thing, using spirituality, uh, which looks a certain way on the outside to numb and distract. Uh, Guilty as charged. That is sometimes me. Well, and we've done like 80 shows about this. It's spiritual bypassing. Yeah. You know, I mean, there are many different versions of spiritual bypassing, but, and, and the reason that I am very clear about that is because that has been me yeah. as uh, has been me. Is that the way you say it? I mean, the amount of conferences I went to in my 30s was mind-numbing, and the amount of people I saw a million times and all the books, and sometimes I'd even be sad, and I'd pick up a book almost like the way you scroll through Instagram. Yeah. Like, you're you're using the spiritual practices to avoid experiencing or feeling what you're feeling, and there is a very fine line there, because spiritual practice 
it's there to help us in hard times, but not to keep us from moving forward. Yeah. I started to see the exact same people at the conferences. And I mean, from all over the country, yeah. like the participants and same with the speakers. I'm like, okay, how many times have I sat through this person yeah. and heard them do the exact same thing? And so I would say that that experience of a, um, using spiritual practices as avoidance is very common because it feels better. And this is what I mean about Todd, you know, reading a book, it can feel so good to read a book and be like, oh, that makes it better. And it soothes you for a moment. It's almost like taking a drink or a drag mm. or something. Yeah, it's a numbing agent. It's a, and you're like, oh, that feels better. And then we turn around and say to everybody, all you got to do is be present. Like, I can tell, this is just between you and I, I don't mean it's private, I mean like, you can say to people like on Team Zen or on this show, you'll say, you know, people just need to take a breath and to be mindful and you can say the same words and I can tell the difference between when you are just saying stuff mm -hmm. and when you're really experiencing sure. stuff because I know you so well. Yeah. Like, and sometimes, you, and you may think of this, like sometimes on Teams and I'll be like, well, Todd, what do you mean by that? Because mm -hmm. you sound like you're just regurgitating coaching information. Sure. But then you could say the exact same thing, but I can feel you being like, we really need to sit mm -hmm. and to breathe. And it's like, okay, that feels authentic. And so this is where it gets messy, where it's like, okay, you said the same thing. Right. You're reading the same material. Where's it coming from? But where's it coming from? Because when we get to... to we're almost separate from it. You know what I mean? Like what, you know, what Rob is saying is people who are professional seekers, which I have experience with personally, it is really, you're keeping it at arm's length. You're not really trying to practice what you're learning. Yeah. You just want to have the information so you sound smart enough that people don't question It's like you. a clever egoic trick. Like Huge. the ego is like, all right, um, we're not going to let you be a jerk. So instead we're going to let you regurgitate spiritual quotes, but really in the end, you're just pretending anyways. You're just, you're just saying spiritual quotes. You yeah. aren't living it. And this is exactly what I mean about, you know, and I was just giving Rob this compliment before I can tell when he's talking about things, he's not like, here's something I read. He's like, this is my experience. Is this where your he experience? Is right, that, yeah. This was a very personal podcast very. of his. And I think he's saying, sometimes I don't even need know the question. He is in this in-between place yes, somewhere. Yes, I am too. Yeah. I, I am too, not only because of my own personal things, you know, my own personal experiences or whatever, but because of where we are in the world and what just happened and coming out of the pandemic and my own life, like my own work life, mm -hmm. you know, like- Everything. Am I, you know, what am I going to do? And, and I have a daughter graduating. And so, and, you know, I I just- and, and and this is like what I want to talk about because I can call that languishing, which feels like a big boulder yeah, tied to heavy, my, heavy. You know, or I can say I'm getting some kind of upgrade right yeah. now and I mean the same thing. Um, and I'm really going through the same process and getting an upgrade is a lot more, it feels like, okay, I can move through this because mm -hmm. we know what happens when we're getting an upgrade, sometimes I think about like old school, like AOL or, you know, when we had to like dial in and we would try and get an upgrade and it would take like 24 hours and it would stop. And yep. sometimes you had to start over. Sometimes my upgrades are a little bit dial up, you know what I mean? But sometimes, but at the end, the upgrade... <laughs> 
Oh my God. <laughs> Sound. All the Gen Ys and Gen Zs are like, what is what that? What is that? Like, what the hell? And then it would say, you've got mail. Yeah. Um, so that is the, like, that was always really difficult. But now when you get like your, you know, high speed, the upgrade can sometimes happen a little faster and you know that then things will run better. You're in better alignment. You're more in your integrity. You feel more clear. You've died. Some things have died mm -hmm. and you've been able to shed a skin, but in the, in the midst of the upgrade, it can be a little painful because like you said, sometimes the, the whole processing machine doesn't work anymore yeah. because you're in the middle of an upgrade. You know, it's like everything's slowed down and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. And the thing is, is it's not just, you know, I'm saying this because everybody knows this, but it doesn't just happen once. Yeah. I think sometimes I get frustrated because I'm like, haven't I done this 80,000 times? And sometimes I don't have an appreciation for how, how far I've come, as it, and I don't mean how far I've come in the external success world. I mean like internally how healthy I feel until I have moments where I remember like, it, you know, one story because I just remember it so well is we had a teacher who we were spending a lot of time with when the girls were young and she used to come to our house and, you know, work with the girls and work with us. And I remember she said to me, you know, she's like, yesterday was a really rough day and I very rarely have really rough days like that. So it was, you know, she's like, I really needed to do some work. And I remember thinking, I feel like it's the opposite for me. All my days are rough yeah. and I occasionally have a good day. And now I feel like even in the midst of Todd, all the things we've been going through for the last year, I feel like most of the days I feel a joy, mm -hmm. even though there, I feel struggles in the days. Now I feel more like her. Yeah where it's like, I can have a really bad day sometimes and I have to deal with that. But I used to always feel like languishing. Yeah. And I thought that was normal. I thought that was human. And while it is human, it doesn't have to be like that every day. Well, part of me wants to be like, yeah. And you know, that's what you sign up for as parents, especially in the dark days when your kids are super young. But I think non-parents would say the same thing. Oh, for like, sure. you know, it doesn't matter if it's, Kids, no kids, grandparents, grandkids, like it's the human experience. Yeah, we like to make ourselves feel special, like Yeah, yeah. or blame our external experiences. Yeah. Like and and you can't and this is again where it gets a little paradoxical. You can't deny your external experiences. Of course they are causing something, but at the same time, um, I, my girlfriend and I were talking about this because we're going through something similar with our with our girls and their age and all these kind of things. And and we were talking about how Sometimes you want to be like, I only feel this way because of this. But the truth is, whatever this is just exacerbates what is already happening in your life. Mm -hmm. Meaning like, you know, it's like when people say power, it reveals you because you basically whoever you are becomes bigger. Mm -hmm. So if you were already very like kind of were greedy or jealous or selfish or whatever, and then you get a lot of power, oh, yeah. that's just going to get bigger. Yeah. But if you were someone who already understood that power was responsibility and that it meant allyship and that it meant giving and that it meant reaching an arm back, then you're going to do more of that. Yeah. You know, that, that that is, it just exacerbates. So when you have a struggle in your life, it doesn't mean the struggle isn't there, but it's revealing you. Mm -hmm. And that is um, where you sometimes you're like, ooh, I got a lot of skins to shed. Yeah. You know? Um, can I play another piece of this sure. Robcast? Um, we might need to pause just to explain what he's talking sure. about, but let's see how it goes. 
Yeah. 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 How many of you know how many of you know exactly you know exactly what I'm talking about? Don't you? You're like, I just know. I just know that there's some next thing. Yeah, but you can't rush that. You can't rush it. You can't speed up death and rebirth. You can't stand there with your feet on the ground. You can't get down on your knees on the ground and like that seed seed that you buried. You can't be like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come up out of the earth. Produce some fruit. <laughs> yeah, the seed's doing what it's doing. The seed's doing nothing. It appears as though the seed in the earth is doing nothing because it's buried. You can't even see it. And yet, in order for the seed to come up out of the earth and produce something, it first has to be buried, and for a while it has to look like nothing's happening because nothing's happening. And yet, it's the moment before the moment. That's where I feel like I am in certain parts of my life. Like, let's just get to it. Mm -hmm. Like, what's the lesson? Mm -hmm. Am I supposed to do this for my work or am I supposed to do that for my work? Am I supposed to put my attention here or there? Just give me the lesson so I can get to work. Mm -hmm. And I think what Rob is helping me understand and what you are helping me understand is to once again, embrace the discomfort, don't numb out through TV or beer or anything or productivity and addiction to my email, sit in it. And that's, I'm not really good at it, but at least I know what it is that I want to cultivate. Well, and that's the practice, like you saying, I'm not very good at it. Who is? Like, who's like good at sitting in discomfort? By definition of the word, I feel like I've been talking to my daughter about this a ton. Like, uncertainty, discomfort, if someone's like, I'm great at that. Mm -hmm. It's like, but then the words don't mean anything because by definition, like anger, anger, you know, again, I'm explaining anger, anger's good. We can utilize anger. Energy can become, you know, something positive. But when we really feel anger, it's uncomfortable. Sure. Or when we really feel discontent, it's uncomfortable. That's the definition of the word. The trust is that I've felt this before, and that's why the practice is good. That's why reading books about it doesn't help you move through it until you actually practice it. Because once you practice it, you're like, okay, I've done this before, and I remember this phase or this feeling, or I remember feeling like it would never get better and it did, or I remember feeling like this was, it, it, like it's something, that, like last week I felt like I had this epiphany where I was like, oh, this is it. This is the thing that I've been missing. And I, I now I realize it. And so therefore everything's going to be better now. Mm. And then like four or five days later, it's not that you forget, it's that it's not, that awareness is not all encompassing. Well, and I don't know if this will make sense, but at the beginning of the podcast, he talked about he used money as an example. Mm -hmm. And money is something we can all, I think, understand that it is sometimes stressful or anxiety provoking, not to, not enough money or not the freedom that comes with money. And he's like, if you're listening to this podcast right now, all the things that you used to worry about right now, my guess is there's probably some food in the fridge. There's probably a roof over your head. Right. And you're listening on an iPhone or on your computer. So like all that worry that you had got you to this point where you pretty much have all these things that you need. So I thought it was like a, a really interesting reframe. Like we think that all this worry helps us, um, is going to push us in the direction of getting what it is that we want when in fact, um, you know, this, this worry that we sometimes create 
that I think sometimes keeps me motivated is just a waste of energy. Well, and I think what he was saying in that is exactly what you said, but also the fact that you've done this many times before. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, saying like what I was just saying about if you've done the practice and you know where you end up, then when you're going through it again, you can be like, oh, I know where this ends up. So I'm not going to give so much energy but to it. But we forget. We do. Like, you know, oh, we're going to run out of money and we won't be able to do this. And then it's like, but you always figure out a way. And then you go through that and you, and so you're kind of saying exactly what I was saying. Like last week, I was like, I have this new awareness, therefore I'll never have this feeling or this bad experience again. And then you still do, but you remember that, you know, last week I had this awareness and I will have more awarenesses or let me remember what that felt like and that I will get through this and that this does have meaning. You, this is so hands-on. This is so, is, is the word kinesthetic or tactical. Like mm -hmm. this is, you know, we can learn from listening and reading. Of course, that's part of education. But this kind of life experience, you have to really go in it and do it and practice it to get good at it. Mm -hmm. And even that phrase is so dumb because you never really, you know, people who are like, I'm a good meditator, I'm a bad meditator, just do it. And the more experience you have with it, the more confidence you'll have, but you're also still going to struggle with it. Sure. It's the paradox, yeah. you know? What I know, though, what I know because I have been willing to let things die and I've been willing to be uncomfortable and uncertain and I've been willing to be very vulnerable is that it pays off somehow. It may not pay off. It, it, things may not go the way I expected, like relationships may go away or, you know, something that I thought was going to happen doesn't or people are disappointed in, in my choices. It, those things I can't control. But I find greater alignment. Mm -hmm. I'm moving in the direction at least of my own integrity. Um, and I, and that sounds so like pie in the sky because you don't always feel that way. But when you get through something and you look back with hindsight, everything is about base camps, right? Mm -hmm. It's like sometimes you get to a base camp and you look how far you've climbed and you're like, oh, I remember that. And I know, I now know that I will reach a base camp, Yep. you know, mm -hmm. and that then there's another base. Or there's more than one base camp, right? There's a bunch of them. Yeah. I think there's, I'm thinking of Mount Everest. I think that there's base camp one, base camp two. I think there's, you know, I think it goes up. So. And just as a, you know, to continue the metaphor is you base camp, base camp, base camp, and then you do get to the top of Mount Everest and you look out and there are other mountains. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to do it again. You don't get to Mount Everest at the top and say, I'm done. Yeah. Got it. it. You then realize there's Kilimanjaro. Is that a mountain? Yeah, that's a mountain. Um, you know, there's other mountains that you're like, wow, I got to tackle other things. So I think that, you know, what what it what was Rob just saying? There was something. What was the gist of it? What it's were we just talking earth about? And produce something. The seeds it first. Has the seeds. To That's thank you. So you know, Todd was he had just listened to Rob's podcast, and it just so happens that he and I were outside today, and I've planted my sunflower seeds, and I planted them in a place that I wasn't quite sure how the soil was going to do, mm -hmm. and I've been watching them for like seven or eight days, and for some reason, I thought they would come up faster. Like, I have a memory that they came up fast, and my daughter's mm -hmm. like, Mom, it took like a month, and I'm like, did it? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't remember that it took that long, and so, you know... I, I'm still I'm seeing a little bit, I think. I'm still not sure if it's a weed or if it's the sunflower. Yeah. But what I did as a backup plan 
is I planted a bunch of sunflower seeds in little cups, which one of my friends told me to do. And so I can plant those because I know those will come up in yeah. the cups because I know the soil's good, blah, blah, blah. But my point is, is that I'm even metaphorically like I'm planting these seeds and I'm like, shouldn't these be up by now? Shouldn't I, shouldn't this be done? And you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to do, I'm going to do work over here too, because I, I need this to happen faster yeah. and I, I want it. And there's nothing necessarily bad about that, but nature does a nice job of giving us a mirror for our experiences. Well, it's like your kids, your kids are here to teach you something. And those sunflower seeds that you planted is here to teach you something too. Exactly. And I, and just like, you know, I plant them and I'm like the next day I want, I can't wait to start grooming these. You That's know. right. And, excuse me, excuse sunflowers, me, sunflower. start doing it. And even that, like when you put the sunflower in the ground and there's, I have a bunch of different sunflowers because they're all different colors. All the seeds look different. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how are these all going to be flowers that look similar? And why do they know to break open? Don't even get me started on seeds because as a 49 year old man, I'm now just generate, generating an appreciation for the idea of planting something and having it grow. Well, totally. Like that's Isn't just it cool? crazy. Like this tiny little microscopic thing is going to live in dirt, somehow catch water and sunlight, and it's just going to turn into this completely different thing. It's just nuts. And I guess the, the very literal answer to my question is it's in the dark. Yeah. That's what then tells that's it That's what to we're sprout. talking about. So we're all in... If we're dark. okay, but we sometimes turn the light on by going to my email or we turn, I turn the light on and go drink three beers that night. And that just disrupts the whole flow of what needs to happen in the dark. Or you get a shovel and start digging that seed up. Right. And it's like, it can't grow. If you're digging the seed up, you have to let it be in the dark. And this is the practice that, you know... Todd, you're saying like, I'm uncomfortable with this or I'm not good at this. Of course you're not. Like who's good at it? But the the language that I would use instead of I'm good or I'm bad is that I've had a lot of practice with this and it's still very uncomfortable. Well, for me, it's that little miniature poem about the hole. Like these things happen right, and sometimes right. we fall in the hole and we fall in over and over and over again. And then, but we dig ourselves out quicker and then eventually we figure out how to walk around the hole. I don't, I don't have the whole poem memorized. Yeah. And but, then eventually we go down a different so street. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just don't want to keep falling in the same stupid hole. Like that's part of growing, evolving. We're we're supposed to learn from some of these lessons that we did when we were in our teenagers and our 20s and 30s. And I am smarter. I am more evolved, but not at the rate that I want to go. I want to be, I want to have the wisdom of my 70-year-old self mm -hmm. as a 49-year-old self. And, you know, that's actually a very good practice, everybody. Um, you know, we've, Todd and I have spoken about these practices because I learned them from Tara Moore in her book, Playing Big. But if, if ever you're like not sure about how to proceed, ask yourself what your 70-year-old self, for those of you who are 70, ask what your 80-year-old self would say. Like, what what would the older version of you say? Because it's usually pretty simple, right? Very simple, and it clears out the clutter. The yeah. problem is whatever my 70-year-old self says to me, it's terrifying because it means I got to do this or I got to do that. Like, he'll give me some good wisdom but with that wisdom comes hard Discomfort. decisions. Well, and it also doesn't give you instant gratification. Like an example is I started writing a book when JC was a freshman in high school. And my goal was that I wanted to have her have it by the time she was a junior, you know, maybe a year before she graduated because like I had this big plan, right? Mm -hmm. So I started this in like 2016, 2017. And then all of a sudden you realize that that path takes not a year, but two years, not two years, three years, 
four years and for many different reasons, for some of the, some reasons because of publishing and some because of writing and some because of experiences. And my point is, is that my 70 year old self, if I were to ask my 70 year old self, should I write this book? They'd say, sure, but it's going to be four or five years. Yeah. But I didn't want to hear that. No. Do you know what I mean? Because you're like, no, no, I want this to happen now. Yeah, here's the plan. And so there, and there's two choices there either. Well, I'm just going to just scrap this then because there is no instant gratification. I'm just going to do a bunch of social networking posts. So I get a bunch of likes yeah. and fulfill that. Or we have to be willing to be like, I'm going to go into kind of the dark with this mm-hmm. and not know. And and now of course, it's easy for me to say, I'm glad I, I've, put four or five years into this, you know, into my, into writing. Cause it's really all I want to do. And the, the bottom line is, is talk about don't die with your music in you is, you know, when people are like, should I go back to school? No, cause it's going to take so long or I'm too old. Well, in two years, you're either going to have that degree mm-hmm. or you're not meaning like, who cares how old you are or whatever? Like in two years, what will your two year ahead of you self say? Yeah, yeah, go do it. Go do it because now we're done or maybe it's four years or whatever. But if there's something you want, even if there isn't an instant gratification, start moving toward it. And when I say want, I don't mean external success kind of thing. I mean like something you know yourself to be. Inner purpose. Inner purpose. Yeah. Like I think this is important for me or I want to, you know, so you know, you're either, and, and again, it may not happen. Like I, I've had to help my girls with this because there's been goals that they have wanted th- that haven't been able to be achieved. Sure. But it's like, now don't use that as then the platform for work, hard work doesn't pay off because sometimes it does mm-hmm. and sometimes it doesn't. And that's where the word risk comes from is it may not pay off. But if you then decide to do nothing, then there's nothing that's going to happen. Yeah. Nothing will happen. Yeah. So you got to keep moving and and trust that you're moving in the right direction. Sweetie, in the words of George Costanza, everybody's doing something. Let's do nothing. <laughs> um, before we close, I just yes. want to play a few more Ferris Bueller lines. He jeopardizes my ability to effectively govern this student body. Well, makes you look like an ass is what he does, Ed. He'll keep calling me. He'll keep calling me until I come over. He'll make me feel guilty. This is uh, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. With I'll go. No, oh, Cameron. So I love Cameron. That movie is really about Cameron, by the way. Did we do Ferris Bueller's Day Off no. yet? Okay, because that would be uh, that's not really a hot take because I think most people who love that movie know it's really about Cameron. Yeah. Um. One other thing I want to say about Rob's podcast is at the very end. The other way he describes this, what Adam Grant would call languishing or what Rob would call an upgrade is he says, does it sometimes just feel like something's trying to flush itself out? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's like, again, great language. Like there's something that just is trying to move itself through and it totally hurts. It's, It's almost like a kidney stone or something. It's like, this is kind of painful, but I know it's trying to get out. Yeah. And if, and if the get out means an old belief or a feeling or an emotion or a conversation that needs to be had. There's something that needs to flush itself out. And if you look at it that way versus I'm just stagnant languishing, then it feels doable, or at least it does to me because it feels purposeful and meaningful. And any day that is filled with meaning, even if it's painful meaning, is a good day. Sweetie, I got the title for the podcast. What is it? Something needs to flush itself out. No, I don't like that because people won't know what that means. I know they don't. 
What if we called it? Well, you and I will discuss. Um, a few other, any parting thoughts? No, nope, that's it. Um, menliving.org. If there's any men out there that want to connect with other men in an authentic way, have good conversations, I'm the executive director. Shoot me an email at todd at menliving.org or just go to menliving.org. I also do coaching one-on-one with guys. Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. And Team Zen. We didn't even talk about Team Zen. We love Team Zen. Um, it's just an opportunity to connect with Kathy and I live on Zoom. And with a community of people. With a community of people. It's awesome. So keep trucking, everybody. Um, and keep trucking. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review. It helps people find us. The best part of what we do is getting to spend time with our listeners and an awesome community of parents who have come together over at Team Zen. Team Zen is a great opportunity to connect as much as you want with a group of like-minded parents, and you'll even get exclusive content from Kathy and me. Find out more about Team Zen on our site, zenparentingradio.com. We know your inbox needs more hopeful and helpful info, so sign up for the Zen Parenting Moment. Two times a week, you'll receive a quick read that will boost your day and improve your outlook. Sign up at zenparentingradio.com. While men and women, moms and dads, parents and non-parents are all welcome here at ZPR, we know most of our followers are female and moms. So today we're shouting out an opportunity that's just for the guys. Men Living creates opportunities for men to gather together to give and get support and build friendship. I am one of the founders of the group, and you'll find me every week helping facilitate our virtual meeting on Wednesday nights at 7.30. Interested or want to share the details with someone you love? You can find the Zoom link at menliving.org. Ready for a Gen X view of personal growth? Join us for Pop Culturing, our podcast filled with humor, fun, and a characteristic emphasis on self-awareness as we explore movies, TV, and pop culture. And don't forget, I coach guys. So if you're interested, head on over to toddadamscoaching.com and schedule a one-on-one session. First session is free. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give him a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.